0: Online communities, classroom culture, and personal relationships have something in common. Whether it's forming a strong emotional bond, feeling included and accepted, or having an attachment to others, feeling like we belong makes us happy. Ever wonder why? Join me, Dr. Eileen Winokur, for my bi-weekly podcast, Journeys to Belonging. As I discuss my personal and professional experiences with belonging, and interview educators and others as they share their stories of belonging. At the end of every episode, I'll offer advice about how we can all feel like we belong. Hi, Everyone, I'm so excited to welcome you to another episode of Journeys to Belonging. And today, my guest is Tamara Letter. Tamara and I, Finally got to meet at ISTI last year when we, um, well, we, we reached out to each other actually after being in contact on Twitter. Uh, Tamara's um, very important part of my PLN and always uh, uplifts me and makes me feel good. Uh, Tamara, welcome to Journeys to Belonging and please go ahead and tell us a little bit more about you. Well, thank you so much for inviting
1: me on your show to speak today. Um, It's such a joy to connect with you again. Uh, Even as you were talking about us first meeting at ISSI, I was remembering all the joy of seeing you for the first time going, oh my gosh, like you're a real person, not just this friend I have on Twitter. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, But uh, yeah, so I am a technology integrator and an instructional coach. I serve two elementary schools in Mechanicsville, Virginia. I have been in education for 23 years now, serving in a variety of roles. Um, I'm a mom of three, which I hold that role just as important as my role in education. And I am also an author. I wrote the book, A Passion for Kindness, Making the World a Better Place to Lead, Love, and Learn. And that book came out um, right about the time of ISTE, a few months before we met.
0: Right. Yeah. That was one of the ways that I connected with you actually was, right. was talking to you about the book and how excited I was to, to be able to read it and learn from you. So um, on, on my uh, show, I usually ask the first question about when I say the word belonging or sense of belonging to you, what comes to mind?
1: As soon as you mentioned belonging, I think immediately of this warm feeling of acceptance, accepting people for who they are, what they believe, um, their strengths, their weaknesses, everything, like just belonging, knowing that you have value within a community. And I think especially now in a time when so many people are, um, Kind of turned upside down with the things that are happening in the world and the things that are happening locally, that sense of belonging is even more imperative to have because um, nobody likes being on the outside of that circle and um, there's no reason why people can't be on the inside. Everybody wants to belong.
0: Yes, yeah, that's, that's so true. That's so true. Um, I, I know that you mentioned uh, in your introduction and your, your little bio about yourself about writing the book, which came out just a little over a year ago, probably. And I, I love the book um, and there are obviously so many other people who love, love the book because you speak very honestly about your own experiences and also about um, other ways that we can sort of have that passion for kindness and there's a, there's a really direct connection between kindness and belonging that uh, people might not see directly, but um, I, I, I see it, and I think you do too. So I, I was looking at the title, the full title, of, and I was, I was glad that you mentioned the full title of it, not just a passion for kindness, which I, I, I tend to, to call it. But it's a passion for kindness, making the world a better place to lead, love, and learn. So Tamara, what was your motivation for writing the book initially? Uh, initially, I
1: it, it was a, a conflux of two things. One, um, I had already started a kindness journey of my own that I was it was starting to grow and I started to... Um, Kind of feel these inklings of like wow like I want to share this with someone like how do I tell people what I'm doing and and the incredible absolutely incredible experiences um, that I was having meeting people talking to people listening to people um, in in the throes of sharing kindness with others um, so that part of my desire to write a book was sparked with my 40th birthday. Um, I did 40 acts of kindness and I was challenged by a friend to write a story about every single act of kindness that I did, which was definitely pushing me out of my comfort zone. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, I, interesting. I've always had that little tiny little seed inside of, of the thought of being a writer, but actually, putting that into action. Um, I didn't realize the level of fear that would be (laughs) included with that. Uh, But I did, I kind of put myself out there and started sharing my stories, even though I, I, you know, people might think it's kind of silly to write a whole blog just about being kind. But, you know, I started to realize as I was doing the acts of kindness, that it wasn't just for my birthday, it wasn't just a thing. It, it, it's part of who I am. And in realizing this spark of kindness is is a thread that has woven itself throughout all of my life experiences, I started to reflect more on, you know, where did it start and and who helped to form the person that I am today and and who touched my life in that way. And I realized, wow, it's not just one person, it's lots of people and lots of interactions and, and so many, many stories. Uh, Put together almost like um, a patchwork quilt of sorts, and so as I started to um, started to dive deeper into that idea of uh, of kindness and wondering, you know, well, well, how can I bring this into my family and and how can I emphasize this in the classroom and and who else can I tell? Like I was just on like on fire for
0: kindness, (laughs) and and well, because it makes us feel so good; it gives uh, us that inner peace that inner yes. calmness right yeah
1: and it's biological like i didn't even know at the time i learned later the scientific value of kindness and what your mm. physical body does um with the chemicals that are released in the brain when you do an act of kindness or you receive an act of kindness or even if you just see an act of kindness you actually are created to be kind you are actually created to to engage in kindness in so many different ways. Your body has physical reactions that make you feel good.
0: <laughs> wow. And
1: once I started learning that, I went to the random I discovered the Random Act of Kindness Foundation. Didn't even know there was a kindness foundation and started diving into their resources. That's where I learned about the science behind it. And I started um, finding out there's other people out there too who were also mm-hmm. having similar experiences. And and on their website they call them Ractivists. And I was like, oh, I need to connect with these people, right? Because I want to belong. I want to be accepted. I want to to learn from them and to be even better at what I view as, you know, um, a kindness cultivator, someone who cultivates kindness in others.
0: Yeah, I and love then, that
1: term. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so as I started to to go even farther with this and started to look outside of my little bubble, uh, I couldn't find resources that I was looking for. Like I wanted to go to the bookstore and pick up a book that had everything. Like I wanted to hear personal stories. I wanted to have people's names, their Twitter handles. Like I wanted like quick and easy ways to get connected with people, but I also wanted research. And I also wanted um, organizations and website links and articles I could read. And I wanted like a diving board of, of resources that I could dive into and I couldn't find it. I went to all sorts of different, and I found, you know, I found pieces and parts. Like I find one book that that was just about personal stories, or I would find one book that was very, very heavy laden with research, but I just couldn't find a book that joined it all together. And Mm. so as I was going into that concept of, well, what do I do now? I just felt that little whisper on my heart that said, maybe the reason why you can't find the book is because you're the one who's supposed to write it. Unbelievable! That wow, thought terrified me. Eileen, it terrified me. Because yeah, when you talk that- a little <laughs> bit in the
0: book about, yeah, you talk a little bit in the book about, about your, you know, sort of journey with writing itself, which I thought was really interesting too, because perfect on the page the first time I was always like that also. Yeah. yeah so how know, did you put yourself out there then?
1: Well, I had the blog. So I was writing about kindness and, um, and I decided, you know what, if, if this is, These little whispers that I get, I listen to them. You know, some people that are religious believe it's God, and I do as well. But some other people just kind of feel like it's the, you know, the universe speaking to you. Whatever you believe. When I hear those little whispers, I recognize them, and I know they mean big business. And so, when I got that little whisper, I was just like, okay, I I don't even know where to start. So, um, I went back to my connections. I went back to my belonging. I went back to my safe places, and. And I looked at the people that inspired me, and I looked to the people that helped me learn and grow, and I just started sharing conversations with them. Some of them were writers and authors, and so I started asking them about their process in writing a book. Some of them were parents. And I spoke to them about how do you help bring kindness into your home? Um, Many of them were educators. And I started having Mm. conversations about how do you bring this into the classroom? And how do you make this a priority when different states and provinces um, put academics first? Uh, And then I I just realized that I had to overcome my fear around every single corner (laughs) that I crossed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because every time I would get an idea of something to do, I would immediately have this thought of who do you think you are to oh, lead the charge on this? Yes. And you're not qualified. You don't have the right to speak. Yes. You don't have the skills. And so it was, it was a mental battle. Sometimes. Yeah. And why do
0: educators have that imposter syndrome? Kind oh. of, I know we all go through it. I'm not sure why, but it's so true, Tamara. It
1: is. And I think, um, the why behind that is because when there's something big that you need to do, that the world needs from you, and mm-hmm. you're the only person that can give it to the world in the, in the unique personal way and the skills and strengths that you have, only you, that's a big deal. And mm-hmm. sometimes I think that we do instinctively have the negative bias
0: mm-hmm.
1: where we are frightened um, not only a failure, but also of success. Because mm. when you start to go after your dreams and you start to follow that whisper on your heart and you start to see things kind of coming into fruition, new challenges appear. It's not like you climb to the top of the mountain and you wave your flag and you're done. It's like you climb to the mountain and all of a sudden you realize, whoa, this is just a peak of a huge mountain range and I'm nowhere near the top. <laughs> um, And so I think that, that sometimes keeps us away because of our own thoughts. And so, you know, we have to, just as we would be kind to other people, we have to be kind to ourselves and we have to give ourselves space to learn and grow. And sometimes that means we have to disconnect. Uh, And that's difficult because we're, we live in such a hyper-connected world, but we have to to recognize within ourselves when we need to learn and grow more. Uh, we have to be willing to listen and value the opinions of others because that yeah. could help us to help others belong in the future. And yeah. um, and no matter you know what your life path is, no matter what your goals are, what what challenges you're trying to overcome, these are kind of the key core values that we all need to strive for because. We're all part of making this world amazing in our yes. own unique ways.
0: Yeah, and, especially
1: now. <laughs> oh, goodness, all the time, now. but especially
0: now. Yes, yes.
1: Especially now. And so you, you had talked um, when I was mentioning cultivating kindness, and you had said how that part struck to you about in the book. Um, there's an image that I had um, an artist, Julie Woodard, make to put into the book. Uh, And it just says cultivate kindness, but the acronym cultivate, all of those letters mean something uh, that help you to make the world better, to help you lead others into that. And, um, you know, the bookends of the C and the E with cultivate are empathy and compassion, because you can't start the journey of connecting with others until you can start to to listen and, and have empathy for where they are in their stage of their life and their experiences. Um, and then that compassion is that empathy and action. And all the yes. other letters in that word of cultivate, um, you, they all go so well with what happened, is happening now in our world, what happened in our world you know, 20 years ago, right. 50 years ago. It's understanding, yeah. it, it's taking time to listen valuing other people, um, accepting people for where they are, uh, not, expe- yeah. not expecting them to be at a certain level that, that they're yeah. not at yet. Like where or are Or to be now? the same as, as we are, you know? Oh, absolutely, yeah. we're all different. And then as we think about these um, levels of cultivating kindness, not only in adults, we bring it back to the children and we bring it back to our mm-hmm. classrooms. And we think, wow, you know, how can I support families? Mm -hmm. In their quest to raise these amazing people um, that come in all shapes and sizes and colors and diversity and how can we help them see their value and their strengths and the contributions that they will eventually make to this world that will supersede anything we do like that's mm-hmm. exciting potential right there. But if yeah. we don't open the door to those conversations and we don't accept our students and our families and help them to feel like they belong, then we can't bridge that gap to right. be able to empower them to realize that their, their impact truly can be endless. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and that whole idea of um, empowerment And it's really important that you mentioned about empowering parents also, not just the students in our classrooms, but also their parents to help them on that journey. Um, I I think it's really interesting that um, when you were talking about cultivating and um, associating that with empowerment and the fact that you went out to do almost like field research And by listening to other writers, by asking questions, by listening to parents, by asking questions, all of those kinds of things, um, you modeled exactly what you were just talking about, which I think is so important. Sometimes we get into the classroom and we teach, but if we're not modeling and that modeling doesn't go along with what we're teaching, uh, our students and our parents can see that there's a disconnect there. And so I, I think it's, you know, that was something that that I really picked up on that's really, really important in what, what you were saying. Um, the title is pretty comprehensive, the title of your book. I mean, um, and, and you spoke a little bit about it when you talked about the fact that you went into bookshops, you, you know, you went into the library, you couldn't really find a book and so, you decided to put it all together, and it seems like it would be a huge endeavor, like an encyclopedia of kindness. But it isn't because of the way you've you've put it together. Um, and so, how how sort of did that idea come? You talk about the you know what was the thread that kept leading, loving, and learning together. Um, you know that not that they're disconnected, but what were were those? Why were those three things? specifically in your title? What did you see was the thread that sort of kept them together?
1: Well, years ago when I um, started my first blog, I've had several blogs since the very first one. The first one, the blog was called Celebrate Kindness. It was a WordPress blog and, and it was really a celebration of kindness. It really was exactly what it was. Um, and, uh, but as I, as I was writing the blog post and, and I finished the, the 40th one, um, I started realizing that being someone who speaks about kindness in a very vulnerable, real, authentic way takes leadership. Because you have to um, obviously step outside your comfort zone, but you have to be willing to lead a charge that, at the time, wasn't really in the spotlight. Like we talk about social, socio- uh, emotional learning now, mm-hmm. but when I first started the blog in 2012, social emotional learning was not the you know the big hurrah that it is today, and it wasn't something it, it was it was something somebody else did. It wasn't, Mm -hmm. it was totally integrated into everyone's conversations and, and, and what they do on a daily basis, especially in the classroom. And so I didn't want kindness to be a special event. I wanted, I wanted to lead with kindness. I wanted that to be the, the, uh, that is the core, you know, kindness is the core and the other things that come around that. Kindness is still there. Kindness can be there when we're leading in academics. Kindness can be there when we're leading as a parent. Kindness can be there when I'm, you know, having conversations with strangers. I mean, kindness is just that thread. So leadership was always that part inside of my head. Mm -hmm. And it's through the leadership, it's through those conversations that you suddenly find this great amount of love that's in the world. Because as you're connecting with people and you're hearing their stories, you're suddenly realizing, wow, we're a whole lot more similar than we are different. And I love what you said. I love what you demonstrated to the world. I love the example you are setting for your children, for your community. And you start to truly fall in love with people in a totally different way. And I started to see the world with a different filter um, as this journey was continuing. So leadership, it's kind of started with leadership, wanting to lead the charge. Through the leadership, I suddenly discovered this incredible passion for people. And then I realized I'm not done. There is always more to learn. There is always room for growth. Where I am today is not where I'm going to be tomorrow. It's not where I'm gonna be next year because there's always more to learn. There's always um, other perspectives to take into consideration. There's always different challenges that are going to come across. And so you have to be a lifelong learner to truly make an impact on the world because it's not a one and done thing. Um, So those three key words, lead, love, learn, it just constantly kept bouncing back in my head. And I was like, you know, that's really the purpose of all of us that we wanna do in this world. And so why not use those terms and use them to make the world a better place?
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting how you, how you pull those all together and they came to you so, so naturally in, in the course of your, um, you know, the last number of years or in the course of your lifetime. It's so interesting, too, that in, uh, earlier in, in when we were, you were talking, that you mentioned that you had that initial thought about the 40 acts of kindness for your 40th birthday, but then you started reaching out and realizing that there's a whole group, there's a lot of research, and so that just, I mean, you model everything that you've, you've talked about, which is really um, fantastic. I love it. Um, You mentioned that your connection to belonging when you were writing to me sort of um, in in my notes uh, that it includes connecting on Twitter and then meeting in person like we did uh, and like you have with others being seen feeling appreciated and loved and you also mentioned inclusion and acceptance all really important parts of kindness and belonging. Um, So Our journey, yours and mine, begins with us first, but then how do we advocate for others? Because I know that's a really important part of what you do too.
1: In order for us to advocate for others, we first have to recognize the power that we each have in sharing our voice and also understanding that we do that in different ways. Some people are very vocal, very vocal right out there in the mix of everything and their voices are loud and strong and that strength radiates across a platform. And there's other people, even like me at times, where the, the voice is a little more subtle. The voice can be a little bit more um, connected on a smaller, but not, not less level level. Um, small doesn't mean less. Interesting. Small can be just as powerful as large. It's all in the manner of that connection. So for example, I can absolutely get on Twitter and post something every single day about kindness. And there are times and seasons in my life when I do shout out to the rooftops a bit more about the things I'm doing, the things that other people are doing. But even in that, there's still so much power in small connections as well. And so when I make a deliberate decision to reach out to three people on Twitter in a private message, just to let them know I'm thinking of them, or maybe they said something on Twitter that resonated with me and I feel that they need to know, or maybe I just wanna do a random act of kindness for them and I hit them up on a DM (laughs) and say, hey, can you send me your mailing address? I know that's a weird question, but I promise it's a good thing, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, Uh, how sweet, yeah. Whatever
1: the case may be. Yes, yeah. Those are small ways, Mm -hmm. but that recipient for that person, it might be a really big thing. It might be a really large thing. You may not even realize how your small seed might have grown into this incredible lifeline of a link for that other person. So, we shouldn't minimize small points of connectivity because we shouldn't judge that. You know, we don't know the whole story. Sure. And so, um, in that idea of belonging and that idea of connecting and doing so, you have to really look at yourself and kind of reflect what are my strengths and what, what are my contributions? How can I make a contribution in my own unique way? Mm -hmm. And then allow that to be enough to validate your purpose and then revel in that and share the joy in that and find the people who not only agree with that, but find people maybe who don't agree with that and learn more, learn more about why they don't agree because they also have experiences that, mm-hmm. you know, through no fault of your own, might tank their view of your purpose or things. And so having those conversations, some of those people love to do those conversations in big open forums and other people like to have those conversations in smaller venues. And I think that's fine either way. Um, but sometimes we just need to take a step back before we can take two mm-hmm. steps forward, because right. that step back is where we learn more about ourselves, we learn more about others, and it gives us time to process our purpose and make it a very clear vision for where we want to move in the future.
0: Yeah, and and you're right, you know, it's, everybody has a story, and we mm. might not necessarily know what that story is, and so your random act of kindness and just reaching out on Twitter or by snail mail, you know, might, might make that person's day, because we don't know if, if that person is you know is having uh, difficulties or whatever and so you know it might be a bright spot in their day and often you hear those random acts of kindness really do make a difference in people's lives uh, and they remember them for a very very long time if not forever um, what i know you've given some advice along the way and your book is full of advice but are there any other specific pieces of advice that you'd like to mention? I know that um, you mentioned earlier on about just doing kindness for a week or just doing a project about kindness. And I know when we talk about bullying, even here in Kuwait, you know, many times the schools would just do uh, a week of or a month of focusing on kindness or doing a project or something like that. And you mentioned uh, rightfully so that we need to really model it all the time. So how, how can teachers, what are some of the ways that you've done it in your classroom or do you, you recommend to teachers, educators to do um, administrators in their schools and so forth?
1: Um, well, there's nothing wrong with celebrating kindness for a week or having mm-hmm. a kindness month. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that because anytime you can bring attention to the ways that we interact with one another and the ways that we build relationships with one another, it's a good thing. So Mm -hmm. I would encourage schools um, and other communities to continue to have those celebrations. Random Act of Kindness Week, I know here in the US, it is celebrated um, with the Random Acts of Kindness Foundation in February, usually um, over uh, February 17th, because the 17th is the actual day, Random Act of Kindness Day. But there's other organizations out there that have their own unique weeks um, where they celebrate kindness and do other things. And you have World Kindness Day in October. um, Mm -hmm. So that's super fun, too, to kind of spread it out. But I would say that teachers that truly want to create, cultivate kindness in their classrooms and create this thread, it has to be a natural normal, integrated part of what you do. So with different classrooms that I work with, I don't have students of my own. So I claim them all. (laughs) I claim all the kids (laughs) in my school. Um, That's nice. (laughs) I'm so nice. They're like, how many kids are in class? I'm like 640. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I know, not all at the same time and not all the same day, not all (laughs) the same ages, but I love them all. I claim them all as mine. And then when you add the two schools, I really have over a thousand kids. So it's fabulous. but in working with teachers that want to dive deeper, you know, there's many, many ways you can do it. Um, we have kindness journals, just like writing journals, you know, that the kids might have a little 50 cent composition book that, that you can buy for each kid or um, have your school supply or even parents supply. And, and we document, we just document kindness. Like write down acts of kindness you've done, write down acts of kindness you've seen. Um, yeah. or you've heard about, because the yeah, more that we you, don't focus on them. We don't even realize we're doing them as, oh, as, as you that, don't right? even see it. Yeah. You don't even realize it's such a, for some people, it's such a natural, normal part of who they are mm-hmm. and what they do, that they yeah. don't realize it and they don't recognize it. And kids are the same way. You know, the, the, little, the little eight-year-old that's on the playground that pushed a friend on the swings doesn't realize that, you know, the impact of, of just being kind and pushing a friend help that friend help to build that relationship with that friend, you know, it's, it's tiny little acts of kindness Mm -hmm. and getting kids to be more cognizant of it, more aware, but by that same token, um, whether you do kindness journals in the classroom or you have weekly meetings where you, you know, somebody shares out a little bit of kindness that they did, um, or you have kids making kindness posters that they put up throughout the school, or maybe they write acts of kindness they do on a little piece of construction paper that they staple to make a link and then they make a chain link around their room, whatever the case may be, keeping that narrative constant um, and having it a natural part of conversations is extremely important. But teachers also need to be mindful that kids are watching. Parents are watching and administrators are watching too. And Mm -hmm. when you do these things and you invest your time and, and energy into cultivating kindness in your classroom, you have to also do it outside of your classroom too. That means you have to do it on social media. Uh, when you're passing other teachers in the hallway, you should probably look at them and greet them and say, hello. Um, mm-hmm. Kids know if you're gossiping about other teachers behind their backs, You know they, they pick up on these things really quickly, yes. no matter what their ages are. And so to be mindful that you are a kindness cultivator 24 seven not just inside the walls of your classroom. And speaking of the modeling, as you model that for your students, you too will quickly discover how those threads of kindness are woven deep into you as well. And then it won't seem like modeling anymore because it will be a part of who you are. Yeah, it becomes natural. Absolutely.
0: Yes, yeah. And because it feels good, as you said, and the science shows <laughs> it, that it feels good, um, we, you know, we become more mindful of it. I know that you know, uh, we've all been, I know, even you know, I have as an administrator, and you know, I, I'm very careful about talking about other people and so forth, but I have caught myself sometimes being in the midst of a conversation and adding a comment and thinking to myself, now, that was probably, that was unnecessary. And I really have to be careful of that. Uh, But, you know, sometimes, yes, very much so mindfulness. Mm -hmm. So Tamara, this was absolutely wonderful. And I I wish we could talk for hours and hours and, and I hope uh, sometime you'll be back on my show, but um, before we go, can you let everybody know where the best places to find you? Absolutely. So
1: I have um, on my website, it's tamaraletter.com. You can connect with me on Twitter or Instagram with the handle at Tamara Letter. And we even have a Passion for Kindness Facebook group where we post little things we see in social media that are about being kind or bring joy to your day. And you can just put that in the search bar and join our group.
0: That sounds fantastic. And I'll make sure all of these are in the show notes too so that people can make sure to to follow you if they aren't already. And again, your book is called A Passion for Kindness, Making the World a Better Place to Lead, Love, and Learn. Something that uh, for people who are looking for specific summer reads, uh, this would probably be an excellent one if you haven't already. So thank you so much, Tamara. I really appreciate your being on my show today.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Eileen. This has been an absolute joy.
0: Be sure to subscribe to my podcast Journeys to Belonging Um, and the next episode will be out in two weeks. In the meantime, you can connect with me on Twitter at Eileen Winokur, I-L-E-N-E-W-I-N-O-K-U-R or on Instagram at Eileen underscore W. And you can also find my blog uh, at the website https colon forward slash forward slash cultures dot build see you in two weeks